Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel All right, welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. All right, just Marcus and I today, so you know it'll be a fun episode. Thank you guys so much for your responses on the last episode with Camille. I thought that was a wonderful conversation, and people seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, man. Um, all right, so we just got back from Boston. This is our first show since we've met the amazing people in that great state, uh, that great town of Boston, and uh, it was a beautiful snowstorm. It was a nice Wisconsin summer day. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was unbelievable that we were able to pack out the place. Uh, two shows in a row at the same venue so thank everyone uh, for braving the weather and coming out and hanging out with us for the live last podcast on the left show it was incredible i want to thank personally a police officer he's from rhode island his name was percy percy and i love percy he was incredible and uh, i'm not going to tell everyone that you did cry publicly percy i'm not going <laughs> to say that no uh that was uh, that was awesome meeting you so thank you so much uh for sharing your story with us and uh, and meeting all the fans yeah so many great fans out there all across the united states and mm. the world. And the world. Yeah, we have a fair amount of international listeners here on A. Blinken's Top Hat. They say we make sense of American politics. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yes, we've become the rational voice of wisdom. Oh, God. In no way is that a sign that the country has veered off to a crazy path. <laughs> no, no. That's just us being beacons of light <laughs> in a dark forest of delusion and overall political madness. And I do want to thank JetBlue. It was a 45-minute flight to uh, to Boston. I mean, you're up and you're down. That mm. was it. And they still got me champagne. On both, on the way there and on the way back. And uh, on the way back, I'll tell you one thing. I really got to annoy Marcus, so that was fun. <laughs> Just let me read an article. Well, I could let you read an article or I could scream at you <laughs> as I nitpick the article that you're reading. <laughs> Well, speaking of screaming, Marcus does not want to talk about this subject. Well, but uh, we, of course, we have the Senate hearing uh, sessions happening right now. Jeff Sessions, as we speak, is being grilled. We don't know the results of these Senate hearings yet. So, for this episode, we will uh, just talk about celebrities and the Golden Globes yeah. up top. Uh, Marcus, <laughs> we have to discuss it. It's on I the guess. tip. It's on the tip of everybody's tongue. It is on the tip of everybody's tongue. Of course, everyone's talking about the whole Meryl Streep thing. Yes. Meryl Streep coming out and uh, calling out Trump for the whole disabled reporter impersonation. Right. But she. 
channeled her inner Marcus Parks, and this was one part of the speech that I did agree with Miss Meryl Streep on, talking about how disturbing and disgusting it was. And and we we're uh, we were uh, criticizing Donald Trump throughout the entire primary cycle for uh, these sorts of actions, demonizing and ridiculing people uh, with disabilities. And uh, so I think she was right on point when she was talking about how that does trickle down into uh, mainstream uh, America and it somehow normalizes those activities and doesn't make them as uh, seem as horrible as they actually are. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, we have been talking about this from the very beginning, and that was one of the, the main points that I had against Donald Trump was that not necessarily uh, his actual policies, but the things that he said and the attitudes that he had towards people, it really just makes shit okay. It makes awful behavior, mm-hmm. childish behavior okay. And we were already childish enough before all of this. Americans were already childish Oh, enough. we're all not, we're not childish. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm not saying that all Americans are childish, of course not, but we already had enough of that in our day-to-day lives. We already had mm. people being shitty to each other, and now you've got being shitty uh, to another person that's almost seen as a virtue with the president being shitty to anybody he feels like being terrible to. And of course he did respond to Meryl Streep. He said she was an overrated actor, uh, an overrated actress. And, uh, and he really blasted her on Twitter just as we all hoped like he a would child. do. Like a child. But like a president. <laughs> Marcus Parks. Like a teen. Okay, maybe like not a president. Maybe not a, te- a child. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and say a, a tween, a teenager. Okay. You know, someone's talking about him in the lunchroom, so he has to go out on Twitter and talk about how awful that person is. But let's also not deny the hypocrisy in Hollywood is absolutely through the roof when they talk about people uh, of disability, uh, you know, people with disabilities, people of different heights, dare I say, people of different colors, people of different religions. It is a extremely exclusive club. When was the last time a disabled actor actually had a role in a film? It usually goes to a normal, able-bodied individual who is then given all the praise in the world, such as the individual who played Stephen Hawkins in, in the recent uh, in the recent uh, bio flick about him. 99 out of 100 times, it will go to a fully abled person who then depicts a, a person with a disability, and then they give that person an award. So there is a massive hypocrisy when it comes to Hollywood, and uh, and then pretending as if they're this inclusive club when, by definition, they're the most exclusive club in the country. Well, that's not completely true. I mean, R.J. Mitty in uh, Breaking Bad. One. <laughs> give me another one. I'm de- just give me one more. One more. I'm going to go Muggsy Bogues in Space Jam just because he's five foot three, so technically he counts. That's what I'm saying. Jodie yeah. Foster as Nell, or uh, what was the name of the Gary. Sean Penn as, as uh, you know, uh, this uh, I, I am Sam. Sam. Let's, go, let's go and we got to throw Gary Oldman in, in there. Remember whenever he played uh, the uh, little person? That's correct. <laughs> Gary Oldman as the little person. John Leguizamo as uh, the main villain from Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> Technically a little person, although a bit wide around the edges, a little Chris Christie-esque. Well, okay. Uh, Peter Dinklage. How's about that? The Dinklage. And he only was able to succeed because he he refused the traditional roles that were offered to little people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he lost a lot of money. He's quite a courageous character. So sure, there are some outliers, but I think that hypocrisy is absolutely through the roof. They pretend as if they're so open-minded. Everyone in that room, wealthy. Everyone well, extremely wealthy. The few people of color they had were were put on display as if they were at a Macy's uh, store window. Jesus, and that's what they, that's exactly what they do. <laughs> Are you sure? I swear to pan through the crowd at the mm-hmm. Golden Globes. It is it is a sea. It is like it, it is as if you are watching, um, you know, a a, a southern. 
uh, bowling event. <laughs> I mean, it is a <laughs> sea of white. Four Beauregards in the audience. There were many Beauregards, <laughs> the middle name of Jess Sessions, by the way, being Beauregard. Yeah, his name is Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the third. No, but I think that that is a true hypocrisy there. And also, when Meryl Streep uh, pivoted somehow to demonize professional football and MMA, she, she said, this is an art. If everyone was not in this room right now, that would be all that there was uh, to watch on television. Professional sports, sports in general, have been a great equalizer in this country. They have been on the precipice for for civil rights uh, since the beginning. Because what was forced to happen, for example, Alabama, they just played Clemson yesterday in the uh, in the national championship game. Alabama, when they when they desegregated, all of a sudden you have a series of individuals who weren't comfortable with black people, who maybe did not uh, know any black people, and they were forced to cheer when that African American scored a touchdown because they were wearing the Crimson Tide's color, mm-hmm. and that was a huge huge step in the right direction towards civil rights in this country. So I thought that was a strange place for her to veer off to. Um, Sir, you obviously have never heard a racist talk about football. Well, I have never heard a racist talk about football ex- except for, uh, you know, maybe Troy Aikman. Uh, <laughs> occasionally he can. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. But yeah. no, I mean, but I, I, they have made ma- major strides. There's a certain um, there's a certain justice with sports. You're either good or you're not good, and they're going to take the best. Uh, you know, I, I understand it has taken quite a while. For example, it's still mildly controversial to have a black quarterback in the NFL, something like that. But you look at the MMA when it comes to gender uh, equality. Ronda Rousey was the number one grossing MMA fighter this past year. This is uh, unheard of. You know, she headlined the uh, the uh, the event uh, that she had with Nunez. Obviously, it might have been a money grab. I don't yeah. think she was. No, she got quite, the shit beat out of her twice. Yeah, she wasn't quite prepared to fight. <laughs> I think she, she maybe she should go into the more Hollywood sector when it comes to uh, simulated fighting as opposed to real fighting. But there has been some major civil rights advancements because of sports, and I thought that was a strange place for her to criticize well, uh, and was- sort of feel holier than thou. When in reality. Uh, uh, they've done a lot more for poor African-American people and poor people of color in this nation than Hollywood has. I mean, I think that was definitely her throwing down the elitist gauntlet. I mean, I because I read her I read her statements. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's all right. And then as soon as she said, you know, it'd only be football and MMA, I'm like, ah, shit, you almost had him. But- you, like, you almost, you almost had an end. But, then, but on the other hand, she does make a point that, you know, you have all of these people uh, that decry Hollywood liberals and they all say, about how awful Hollywood is, mm. but they still show up at the movies. They still turn on their TVs every single day. Like Absolutely. they, they still give these people money. These people are rich because America gives them money. And you know, there's a massive hypocrisy on people of the right. You know, who pretend as if they, uh, you know, they try to relate to the working class individuals. I'm not even going to mention her name, but she's a certain celebrity now on the Blaze, and she was just recently on the Daily Show, and and she was tweeting out about how it doesn't represent the working class people. And uh, there was a funny uh, tweet that somebody put. Uh, over, you know, quote tweeted and was just like, did you write this in between shifts at the steel mill? You know, I mean, it's obviously a, a farce and a, and a, uh, and a joke. Yeah. Uh, there are people on the right who pretend as if they are representing the working man, but in reality they live the exact same pampered lifestyle that a lot of these so-called Hollywood elites are living and shoving down our throat with their social liberalism. Yeah. I'll, well, I'd also like you to look at uh, the Republicans in Congress and, G- and count how many calluses are on the hands of the people in Congress. Count the calluses. Well, 
calluses. Count the calluses on Donald Trump's cabinet, and you tell me how much they understand the plight of the working man. Absolutely great point. And uh, and there so there is that hypocrisy there, but I think if you are somebody who is in the middle of the country, at the very least, they're attempting to extend an olive branch, although it is as symbolic and uh, fictitious as many of the films, um, as many of the roles in the films that uh, Meryl Streep has played. Uh, you know, it, it is not necessarily real. Eric Bowling, for example, who I know, uh, you know, and many of these people who are over on the right, they, they sit for a living. Mm-hmm. They do. And we're not going to sit here and pretend as if, you know, uh, I mean, I went down, we, we had to walk through the Boston airport and there uh, no, it was LaGuardia and I had to carry a bag of shirts. And uh, I was pretending like I was, you know, a, a Colombian Karen coffee for 30 cents an hour. I was <laughs> you, like, do I have to do this anymore? And you're like, it's been like 10 feet. I was like, why isn't the street moving? I was just like, give me the bag. Just let me I carry didn't the give bag. You the bag. No, you didn't. You, in fact, you offered. Well, you just wanted to be a martyr because you're like, and I was you're a like, martyr. <laughs> you're like, give me the bag. So give I'm me not, your bag. Yes. I'll carry both bags. So uh, I respect everyone who actually does manual labor jobs like my father did, like Marcus's family does. And Marcus. Marcus does uh, as well when he has to go home and visit them. Uh, but we're not going to sit here and pretend as if I fully understand the, the the plight or the exhaustion that a person who goes to work in a physical manual labor job feels on, at the end of the day. No, and, and you know, and I'm not also not going to sit here. I mean, yes, I have worked plenty of manual labor jobs. I've done warehouse work. I've done mm. janitor work, dishwashing, you know, uh, construction work. I've done all that stuff. But I also knew that that was not my end all be all. I also knew that this was something that I was doing for money in order to do something else. So I'm not going to say that I sit here and uh, I understand the plight of a, a working man who is going to be working for the rest mm. of his life or a woman that's going to be working for the rest of her life. Uh, I'm not going to say that I understand that completely, uh, but I also would like the Republicans, I would like them to say that they don't understand that either. I would like the people in charge, well, the people up top. I would like Donald Trump to admit that he has never done a hard day's work in his entire life. I would like him to admit... And say, like, listen, I don't understand what you're going through. I'm trying to understand what you're going through. But he doesn't give a shit about the people that build his buildings. He's oh, never I given a know. fuck we about the people. They're, I, uh, yeah, pays, we do he know. He pays him a salary. No, he doesn't. He does not pay them. That's the they one thing. They have to get some pay. No, they don't. There are mm. so many examples of Donald Trump not mm. paying people who have done work for him. Well, he pays them, like, half of what they deserve. Again. Yeah. Yeah, he does Definitely not. He does. there are so many examples of him not paying people. There are right. examples of him buying cheap Chinese steel. That one's gone under the rug with Donald Trump buying cheap Chinese steel uh, instead of buying it American. This man does not know. Well, he does not understand the plight of the working class. He doesn't give a fuck about them because all of these people are the ones that build their fortunes on the back of the working class. But they have somehow tricked the working class into believing that they are now suddenly out of nowhere have turned into these altruistic angels that are going to bring back all of their jobs and are going to bring back America to a place where they did actually have jobs. Well, you tell me the other side. Tell me, give me, give, give, what's the other option for the people? You know, I mean, th- there was no other option. There was one candidate out there, and we'll get off of this subject in a second. I do want to talk about Hollywood gun violence and a little hypocrisy there as well. They're talking about violence and and how it's uh, anybody except for their faults uh, when it comes to propagating and televising and um, fantasizing violence in a beautiful way. Oh. Hollywood, uh, they oh, yeah. love gun violence, and yeah, they make they it do. look like it's the most fun thing on the face <laughs> of the planet. And I'm not blaming Hollywood for gun violence. Individuals make their own decisions. But there is no denying that the fetishization? Fetishization. Fetish? Fuck. Fetish. Fetishization. Fetishization, yes. Of gun violence is... Uh, 
a massive trope in Hollywood films, I'll and and they do need to take a little bit of responsibility as opposed to just blaming uh, you know uh, individuals across the country for what they perceive to be their own intolerance. When in reality, uh, they need uh, to really curb if they want to stop violence, stop making it look so damn cool. I mean, even central, <laughs> even the even the comedy with the Rock and uh, and and Kevin Hart was gun based. Even mm-hmm. our even our comedy is, is based in violence, and so Hollywood it does bother me a little bit when they go out there and they spout these liberal ideas but then if you actually look at what they do uh, what their jobs are what many of these roles are and what a lot of these films are they are uh, examples of some of the worst sides of humanity and they make it look light they make it look fun and a thousand bullets get thrown into the air and at the end of the day the superhero survivor the 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 the, uh, you know the the heroine of the the heroine of the film survives and everything is totally fine in reality it looks like an airport uh, in Fort Lauderdale full of blood, full of tears, and, uh, and, uh, and there's nothing glorious or fun about it. And, you know, to your uh, previous point, I do agree with you. What choice do they have? I mean, uh, that is uh, that is the ultimate sadness here. Damned that, if that, you do, damned if you don't. And it, that's why Donald Trump said he was going to run as a Republican and say the exact same things that he said, and he knew they were going to vote for him because there is, is no other choice. Yeah. And that's terrible. That's that's what and that's what we need yes. in this country. We need another choice. We need something else. Absolutely. Because when Donald Trump is the best we can do, that really says a lot about where we are. And let's move on a little bit here uh, from Hollywood into uh, well, you know the the irony is we're not moving away from Hollywood. Donald Trump was at the Glo- Golden Globes in 2007. I mean, <laughs> he was in he was in Home Alone for crying out loud. The man is an actor. He has been in Hollywood for uh, the majority of our lives. I he, mean, this is where the man made his entire living yeah he tweeted a few days ago about how his he was the ratings champion djt ratings <laughs> ratings king ratings king absolutely djt i mean that's what he's concerned with he is gonna crush arnold by the way i mean I, arnold has no uh chance whatsoever because he's not quite as charismatic and then he's really it's a rock in a hard place it's the sequel yeah he, yeah it's the sequel but yeah. he also has a much better catchphrase have you heard arnold's catchphrase no he doesn't say you're fired you know what he says what you're terminated. That is pretty good. Okay, now <laughs> I, I kind of like that. And then after you're terminated, you know what he says? What does he say? Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. <laughs> does he really say that? <laughs> I hope he does. At the very least, I know he says, you're terminated. Well, I do like that. It's a, it's a bit extreme, uh, you know, considering it's just a reality show. If they do actually take them back to a, a, a barracks and shoot them in the back of the head, uh, <laughs> that would be aggressive. However, that might actually get some ratings. Yeah. Uh, they, I don't but, even know who's on this new season. Is Meatloaf coming back that's all i don't that's all yeah. i want to know moving closer towards session nine yes yeah i think snooki is on this one Ugh. yeah so she's a ratings grab i had to meet her <laughs> once she had she had speaking of meryl streep she went down to uh to fox news to promote her uh film when she was doing the iron lady the uh she won an oscar i believe in 2012 for it and uh, no entourage extremely nice snooki came in and this is what uh, kennedy had told me uh the person who hosts that show on fox business when snooki came in it was like she was like 15 people deep. I thought she was a real celebrity, and you couldn't even see who it was because she's so short. And then it was Snooky, and she was wearing Uggs. I swear, I swear to God, I was like, okay. And she was promoting a new book about weight loss, but I don't know. I'm not sure what it, Anyway, that's fine. She looks wonderful. No big deal. Uh, but let's move on a little bit. I want to talk about the Russians as well because I do think there's something happening. Um, there is a uh, – this. it's a bizarre trend. 
everyone agrees Senator John McCain being one of them and Lindsey Graham, you know, on the right. And obviously everyone on the left agrees that the Russians did get involved in this election cycle. But it is bothering me a little bit. The excuses. It's still been the Democrats who are just refusing to own up to their mistakes in this uh, in this past election cycle. And it really is doing them no favors whatsoever. If you look at Hillary, you look at Trump, the big winner out of 2016's election is no doubt Vladimir Putin. And the Russians are happier than they could ever imagine being right now. And I think it's a little bit um, dangerous for the left to simply blame the Russian hacking, which we all hack. Every single nation hacks. We hack the Chinese, the Russians on a daily basis, the Germans, as they found out the hard way with a Snowden leak. It was not Putin that made Hillary go campaign in Texas three days out. It wasn't Hillary. It wasn't Putin that made uh, that that encouraged Hillary to call uh, Donald Trump supporters deplorables, which uh, by uh, Frank Luntz, he's a polar. He said, uh, you know, in his polling data that really hurt. That was a 47 percent mark uh, type line uh, that marked the end of Mitt Romney's uh, possible chances to beat Barack Obama in 2012. It wasn't, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin uh, did not encourage her to simply sit back, uh, refer to Donald uh, refer to uh, Trump as Donald during the debates and take a more relaxed approach as opposed to be aggressive. I mean, it wasn't Putin that uh, that told her for to completely forget the blue wall when it came to campaigning uh, in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. I mean, North Carolina, the fact she lost to these states that Obama won, that was not Putin that did that. Absolutely not. Um, and I think we have to keep in mind, it's like if the Democrats want to you know, win anything. If they want to get the uh, the Senate or the House back in 2018, they're going to have to find a way to stop blaming other people and connect to those middle class individuals who uh, who really are, like we just mentioned, just looking for somebody who extends an olive branch, even though in their heart of hearts, like you were talking about, Marcus, they know it's BS. Yeah, they really do. And and I uh, agree completely that you know that that Putin did not sway the election uh, towards the Republicans. What bothers me is that the Republicans don't seem to care that he tried. But John McCain is really all up in this. There but are John a lot McCain, of people but, that do. But John McCain, people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham, they're in the vast minority. Yeah, I mean they really are these these old school yeah these old school uh, guys that have been around forever. I mean they're really digging in deep on this, but the vast majority of Republicans they just don't seem to care. They just don't for some because mm. their guy won. They just you know, don't seem to care. I think I understand even, what you're saying. Even if Hillary won uh, and this came out, like I would be like that. This is fucked up. We really need to look into this because it is a foreign power that is meddling in our elections, and it doesn't matter. Who won? What mm-hmm. matters is that there's a foreign power trying to undermine the idea of American democracy. That's horrific. That's that is. I mean, they're not doing that for our for our sake. They're doing it for their sake. Russia does not do things for America's sake. Yeah, the, Russia. The worse Russia, do, the worse America does, the better Russia gets. And if Russia yeah. can't raise themselves up, then they will bring America down. Not necessarily to a point of collapse, but they will definitely take us down a couple of pegs. Sure. Um, Assad now, by the way, is looking for a way out. He wants he, Assad uh, just about three years too late. Of course, he's over there in Syria, the the leader of the the Syrian people. Uh, he's looking. He said he's open to leaving. Uh, <laughs> so apparently, he he finally did eye surgery on himself. Looked outside his window and was like, "This isn't going so well. I've decided I might want to leave." 
It's interesting to me, though. Remember when FBI uh, James Comey, FBI Director James Comey, came out and he was uh, criticizing Hillary Clinton over the uh, the private email server, which mm-hmm. I do understand is get over it. I got it. Yeah. No, the the it, no one wants to hear the term private email server ever again. Yeah. Extremely careless for the words that Comey used. People yeah. on the left did not credit him whatsoever. They're like, screw the FBI. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, and then, of course, he came out two weeks because of the Anthony Weiner. Somehow Anthony Weiner uh, be, uh, had private information on his home computer that was then possibly uh, in danger because he's sexting with a series of random people. God knows who they are. Underage and- kids. Yeah, and you know what? Underage kids, you know what they know how to do? The internet. They know how to work the internet, and they know how to hack. They know how to hack a hell of a lot better than we do. I can't even. I don't even know these Snapchat filters. Oh, I I, I, I refuse Snapchat. Yeah, I was trying to. I, I had it on my phone. I was trying to make myself look like a reindeer, mm-hmm. but then I couldn't. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But then everyone on the left, you know, discredited James Comey as a political partisan hack. CIA, two thousand and two, promised us that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. CIA, you could argue that it is the the military arm of the Obama administration regarding the drone war. CIA, many people believe that they were complicit in uh, you know giving drugs uh, to poorer communities and then increasing the uh, making it a hundred to one imprisonment rate uh, in length when it comes to crack cocaine versus po- powder cocaine. The CIA is now the left's darling and the FBI is now the left's darling uh, and the right is questioning their their relevance, but I think uh, I don't even care that that Trump is a little bit uh, discrediting of these intelligence agencies because I remember getting a bunch of misinformation, a lot of disinformation from those same agencies, and this is the closest he has been coming to uh, to prom to the drain the swamp promise. I got two words for you, Ben. Qui bono? Qui bono? <laughs> Why are you going to throw the qui bono at me? I understand he benefits, but Trump. I mean, you know, but really that that I is do, I, that I is agree. my I that, what you're saying. That that is my that's my biggest question with the the CIA uh, report on Russian hacking. Who benefits from that? If the if because that is won, if, if yeah. that is a lie, you know, if that is if that is not true, if there if the Russians actually had nothing to do with it, what is the point in bringing out that information? Well, he. Has got, Trump is in a very precarious Especially position. Especially after the the Comey bringing out the Wiener stuff. These two things seem completely and totally at odds with each other as far as American intelligence goes. Sure. I mean, I'm just saying right now people on the left are just claiming that everything the FBI and the CIA, uh, everything they've gathered is foolproof, 100% accurate. Politics are vicious, a brutal sport, and I trust them just as much as I trust them when talking about the Iraq war, just as much as I trust them when talking about the validations for the drone wars, and just as much as I trust Comey when talking about Hillary Clinton and her stupid private email server. I trust them the exact same amount, and that trust comes with a massive grain of salt. Yeah, and I can see who bo- who, be- who Bonos. Who Bonos? Who Bonos? I can oh, see Remember Bono? I remember Bo- him. What is it, Bono? Bono. Bono. No, uh, Cher's ex-husband. Oh, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono. Killed by a tree. That tree needs to go down. <laughs> if that tree is still standing, I'm going to be. Pre- if I was president and your son or daughter gets hit or killed by a tree that they hit, I'm taking that tree and I'm shooting it in the head. <laughs> I hate those damn trees. Well, I can see it's extremely easy to see who benefited from the CIA saying that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, that is extreme. That is a cut and dry, simple A to B. Well, the Rex Tillersons of the world, who was formerly at that time, uh, you know, part of Exxon Mobil. Yeah, sure. the Rex Tillersons. Of 
world who's about to become Secretary of State. Possibly. Uh, and now with the uh, the Russian thing, like who really benefits from that? Like who is it that is going to make money about? Yeah, you know, who's going to make money over this? And, and really, well, that's always the question that I ask on this stuff: is it who makes money on this? Who benefits? It's not. Trump that benefits from this. It's well, not even necessary. And, you know, it's not like the CIA is like a democratic institution. And it's not right. like that American uh, service, that American intelligence services are trying to sway things towards uh, the Democrats or trying to sway things in the other direction. And they're certainly not trying to undermine Trump's pres- presidency. Yes, they are. I mean, but I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do. I think they're just trying to say, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what we found. This is these are the these are the findings you know, that the American people should know about this." And you know, and you could also argue that Comey was doing the exact same thing. That Comey was saying, "Listen, this is what the American people need to know." Sure. As far as you know, talking about the Wiener stuff, it's it goes. <laughs> yes, bu- I know the Wiener stuff. We must know <laughs> Wiener is sexy. You could say you could argue the exact sure. same thing. You know, I I just don't. See See, um, I mean, it. All of it is very. It's suspect uh, because they don't actually give any of the hardcore sources that they promised. Well, I mean, there's no deny. I'm not going to sit here and deny the Russians weren't trying to, uh, you know, mess with our elections. I think what they're attempting to do is realign the geopolitical landscape. This was really an election with the Russians wanting to claim back, uh, you know. Uh, the power away from the Saudi Arabias, uh, from from the Saudi government, and uh, and really just realign our relationship with them entirely. And we'll see if Assad steps down uh, in the beginning of Trump's term. That'll be a victory for Donald Trump. Uh, that's how it'll be perceived. But just going back to what you were talking about a little bit earlier. Donald Trump lost by 3 million of the popular vote. 3 million uh, people more voted for Hillary Clinton. He cannot be going into this presidency with the cloud of him not being a valid candidate. You know, that's really what it comes down to. That's why he can't even, uh, he really, you know, Jeff Sessions, I watched a little bit of his Senate hearing today. He was uh, asked about the Russian hack, and he just straight up said, I don't know, I haven't looked into it, which I think means he hasn't looked into it because he doesn't want to lie on the stand. And, uh, Plausible and, deniability. Absolutely. Yeah. And he that's says, exactly. I haven't looked into it. All I've seen is what the media has told me. Exactly. And, and that's in order for him to be able to get through this situ- uh, series of questions without uh, putting himself in a position where he will then uh, perjure, uh, you know, himself or, or lie under oath, obviously. So Donald Trump has to really be careful here. If we do want, he wants to be taken seriously as the president of the United States, and he is immediately being undermined by a massive scandal, which is the Russian hack, and there is no denying it is a massive scandal. But so if you're Trump, you're just like, I got to say, no. The answer is no. I'll look into it. Do you he's really just, he's trying to get to January 20th. He's not even, he is not even sworn in yet. No, I know, and I got to ask you, he wants to be taken seriously as president? Yeah. <laughs> I would assume I mean, so. All the fucking tweed storms, man. That is the one thing that he could yeah, do well, to make himself now, take Now, does he taken- know how to be taken seri- serious as president? That's another question. But I mean, in his mind. And it's also how he, uh, how does he perceive being taken seriously as? I think he perceives mm. being taken seriously as being feared. Uh, or at the very least, or at least his, I guess if you, if, 
if you're nice to him, then you're taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. Putin's very nice to him. He loves Putin because Putin is very nice. He's very congratulatory. Yep. He's very complimentary towards uh, Trump. And that's all you got to do. All you got to do is be nice to him because he's a fucking kid. Yeah, he's, he's a little. He is, he's quite uh, thin-skinned to say the least. Yes, he's a th- he's he's a, th- a a thin-skinned little child. It, and and all you have to do is pat him on the head and tell him good job. And all of a sudden, you're his best friend. But if you criticize him at all, then you are his worst enemy. Rex Tillerson, you know, let's not forget he got a medal of friendship from Vladimir Putin a few years back. So it is going to be a different relationship that we have with the Russians. I think the new this is when Donald Trump ran against the Republican establishment and against the Democratic uh, establishment. He did promise a realignment of our um, of our allies overseas. I don't think he sees a friendship with the Russians as uh, as something negative. The exact same way that uh, that uh, Obama didn't see a, a friendship with the uh, with the Cubans. Although I believe that embargo was forty years overdue. I mean, who cares? I'm happy that the Cuban people are now free, and I think it's before it turns into a massive resort. I would love to go, yeah, and uh, and, and see the uh, the wonderful appeal of what the old world looked like. Because under Castro, certainly they weren't allowed to advance very much whatsoever. Well, what's going to happen if Putin starts moving west? You know, he's already the the Ukraine's already there. What well, happened? We haven't done anything when it comes to the Ukraine. I mean, we promised them, uh, you know, a a huge military assault if they went any further. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, and it's mean, been proven to be able to do whatever they want. I mean, what happens if Putin decides he wants Poland back? You know what what happens then? He can have the Polish. <laughs> no, of course. You know, I mean, like, these are these are the questions. Yeah. What what yeah. happens when he decides he wants Poland? What happens if Vladimir Putin decides he wants Germany? Well, you know what what. What happens? Where I don't think are, they would want the German. Uh, where we, do our loyalties lie? He wants to recreate the Soviet Union. He wants to rebuild the Soviet bloc. That's been his main motivation his yeah, entire life. East and, Germany. Well, they can have that too. <laughs> Is that Berlin? <laughs> I heard good Ber- things. I heard good things about Berlin. East you can't have it. Berlin. Yes. Well, what happens? The, the hipsters will drive him nuts, and he'll he won't go there. <laughs> but no, I mean obviously, and those are going to be the these major are just questions. Que- they, these are yeah. questions, and I'm not trying to fearmonger. I'm not trying to witch hunt. I'm not trying to be a little Joseph McCarthy here. I'm just saying these are questions we have to ask because just because mm. World War II, just because the Cold War was a couple of decades ago, don't mean that it can't start up again. I mean, don't see him being, you know, the Russian, their, their, their economy is pretty much garbage. They don't have a lot, uh, you know, in, in terms of resources, in terms of exports or uh, imports coming in. They They do have their oil, but there's a lot of places that have oil. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are good questions. I don't think they have the resources to expand their, uh, their, their kingdom, uh, that much farther than what it currently is. I think Crimea and the Ukraine has given them more of a headache than they expected. And I think really their main goal is to sort of uh, build more in the Baltics and control Syria now that Assad is basically the puppet of Putin. I wouldn't be surprised if Putin is telling Assad to just like step down and they're going to fill that vacuum. Uh, so they, they're, it's going to be a different alignment. I don't think the Soviet bloc, when he wants to, when he says he wants to rebuild it, it's not going to be exactly what the countries were that uh, that existed in, in what he considers considers the heyday of the Soviet Union. It'll be a new alignment of powers, which is exactly what he's trying to do. And if you get Syria, you're right by Iran. Again, going back to the Saudis. I mean, that is going to be a fascinating place. If you can get Syria, you've got some massive leverage, and the Iranians are not going to be very happy with what's going to happen to their country. Um, But who cares about the Iranians? Um, All right. (laughs) 
So let's move on, and we'll get somebody in here. I, I, now, I'm, now I want to talk to a, a real expert on it. We'll get an expert in here very soon to talk about what the Russian advancement means and where their global politics will lead them in the future. Let's just end here really quick with this dude. Now, his name is Jared Kushner. He's 36 years old. He's 36, Marcus. Yeah, that's a, yeah, two years older than me. One year older than you. Look at that. <laughs> I would, I would, I'm much happier being in this basement with you. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So now this guy, he's going to be an official aide to President, uh, to uh, President Trump, and uh, some people are questioning if this is a violation of the law that Lyndon Johnson signed into, uh, of a law that Lyndon Johnson signed in 1967, basically an anti-nepotism law. However. Uh, the irony is a court ruling in 1993 uh, actually cleared Hillary Clinton when she was appointed by uh, Bill Clinton at the time, the president of the United States, when it came to her working in the healthcare, uh, you know, sector. Now so, that's the law that says you can't hire a relative for a government job, right? Basically, but then there was a law in 19, uh, let's see, it was 1978, the Supreme Court held that uh, it doesn't necessarily apply to the executive branch. Right. So all of this might be a completely moot point, and the main concern is, will Jared Kushner be, be able to sever all of the multiple ties that he has with his family business? Um, I think it is a little bit overblown, um, and overall, I don't really have anything uh, against the guy. As a matter of fact, Mayor Bill de Blasio, a man that I do not love, mm-hmm. a man that <laughs> Hillary Clinton might take the mayoralship away from if she, if she uh, so chooses to. I think she could be mayor. Hillary Clinton could be mayor of New York. Uh, you know, faster than it takes to get stuck on the G train. Oh, and it, you get stuck on the G train very quickly. Yeah, uh, I should be a fine mayor. I I think I would vote for her for mayor. You should yeah. see. I was trying to tell people about the uh, just the total lack of political talent in New York City. It's, it's insane. It's phenomenal. It's like they've all been purged out. I have no clue how we can't have any political talent in the world's largest city. As the Knicks are terrible, so are our politicians. Mm-hmm. They're all the Jets. <laughs> you know, they're just, oh, I, don't, I don't understand. Where are the Giants? And even they're Giants kinda... are actually okay until they play the pack attack. <laughs> and then the Giants are no good any longer. Yeah. So that's just some of the concern. But apparently it's really not really, uh, it, it's not much of a massive point because it doesn't apply to the executive branch yeah. when it comes to uh, the anti uh, the anti-nepotism uh, law. Well, Kushner's a real estate guy here in New York yeah. City. Yeah, you know where his uh, family's flagship building is? Where is it? 666 Fifth Avenue. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I read a, <laughs> I read a pretty mm. good uh, long-form article in the Sunday Times about Jared Kushner's ties and, and his various uh, possible conflicts of interest. Very close to China. Well, that's good. He's we got want a, a, we he, want a good relationship with China. He's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of Chinese ties, uh, and it, it, it's really hard to say with a lot of these guys. You know, divesting their interests because that's the ethics. Uh, the Office of Ethics right now is overwhelmed mm-hmm. with trying to get all of these guys vetted before January 21st. They are absolutely overwhelmed because all these guys are billionaires and they got their tentacles and a lot of different pies. Yeah. So uh, the Republicans made a bad strategic decision to try to dismantle the uh, the Department of Ethics. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just going to say that it yeah, looks like bad. I don't think guys there now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what these guys do. At the end of the day, it's just nine to five day job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say borderline schlubs. Uh, so I don't know what I don't know what ethics they're really looking out for. But interesting, you mentioned China. Uh, Donald Trump just met with this guy, Jack Ma. He's the founder of a retail site in China, and they had a great meeting, and they are promising to create a bunch of small business uh, work. The company had 36,000 full-time employees, and they're looking to add more here in America. So it's interesting that Donald Trump 
in the grand scheme of things, he's not adding that many jobs. Yeah. Uh, but he just tweets out every small 8,000, and it matters to the people that got those jobs, obviously. But you know, 8,000 jobs here, 3,000 jobs there. It is. He is going to do good. Uh, he's going to do very well with branding, and he's going to brand every one of his successes are, are going to seem much larger than they actually are. But again, the American people are uh, politics. It's nothing but branding. Yeah. And when Trump is, Trump is going to be able to to brand the American uh, dream, he's going to be able to brand uh, you know what it means to be American uh, much better than his predecessor in Barack Obama, regardless of if he actually has a, a positive result when it comes to the job growth uh, numbers. We'll see. Hopefully it, uh, it can happen. And also going into that is Obamacare. Uh, which has been a, interesting to say the least. The Republicans, they've got to get something to replace it with. If they, if they don't replace it, yeah. that will, they will fall so hard on their face, and they will, the Democrats can blame Russia all they want for losing in 2016. They will own the House and they will own the Senate in 2018, the Democrats I'm talking about, unless the Republicans replace it uh, with a functional bill that does not kick the millions of individuals who rely on Obamacare. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, they cannot just kick those people off. Because don't. that will be a total nightmare and a political loser. But at the same time, they can fix certain uh, things in the law, such as, I believe, the uh, the requirements of people who have, uh, you know, only, you know, keeping businesses under 50 employees or less. Uh, you know, that's the reason why we have more more jobs. Technically, we have some job growth, but they're part-time jobs. The idea of working one job uh, and achieving the American dream that way is dead in the water. If the, if the Republicans are able to capture that sentiment, that populist sentiment, and get people um, – Back to work in a in one job and allow uh, companies to grow while at the same time uh, allowing for pre-existing conditions and allowing – I don't have any problem with kids staying on their health care until they're 26 years old. Although the pre-existing conditions thing is interesting because you could argue that's the main reason why the, the um, premiums went up so high. Because what's happening is the people with pre-existing conditions are paying the same amount as people without pre-existing conditions. So then people who are healthy, well, they'll, they'll just take the fine or the tax. It really is a tax. And then they will wait until they get health care, until they actually have a condition. And then, of course, they go in with the pre-existing uh, condi- pre- condition, and they would be paying the exact same if they were totally healthy. So that's really one of the areas that they need to clear up. Are people really doing that? Because I don't yeah. think it works that way. It is. That's exactly what's happened. The negative side effect, the un foreseen consequence of pre-existing condition is that all of us are footing the bill for individuals who are going into the healthcare system sick. Mm-hmm. So all of us are, you know, um, none of us are given the, 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 uh, you know, I suppose the, uh, the, the, uh, well, I don't, how do I even say this? If you're healthy, you should not pay as much for health insurance theoretically as somebody who is sick. Well, I but know that is now gone. I know so here everyone is in, treated sick under the law. Well, no, I know here in New York, uh, I remember I had missed the deadline because I had got signed up for uh, the ACA a couple of, when it first came around, uh, and I missed uh, a couple of payments and they dropped my ass. Uh-uh. Uh And so I called them back up, and they told me that I had to wait until the next go round. Okay. Before I could sign back up for it. Uh, so, so then you were fined. I would assume then you were taxed. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, that time. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the- but I had, to, but I had to wait till the next go round. I, I couldn't just like pop in and out any time that I wanted to. You know, yeah. like so. I don't know if that. I don't know if that necessarily holds water. 
Well, I don't think they were ever signed up for it in the first place. Yeah. If you're a healthy 25-year-old, there really be would there's no incentive to sign up for the health care uh, for the plan because you're going to be paying, you know, exp- it's, it's pretty uh, high premiums and you're totally healthy. You won't be using it for a long time. But because there are so many sick individuals who are invested in the same program, you have to pay, you have to foot the bill. And that's sort of one of the issues that people are having with it. And that's why the premiums went so high. Now, this is just, this is just me reading a few articles on it, but I believe I understand that concept uh, fairly, uh, fairly well. But you can find me on Twitter and let me know. I also I actually have a great email that's extremely long about the Affordable Care Act, and I would I will read your emails if you can just just blurb them, <laughs> just a little more blurby. Well, I think one of the things that we can do instead of uh, really passing on the cost to Americans is that we could do a little bit more regulation with how much this shit actually costs. Like the thing, the um, the amount of money that these companies charge for very simple pieces of equipment very simple uh very simple procedures mm. it's intense it, it's through the roof and the people that are yeah. making money on this shit are not the everyday workers it's not the people in the factories it's not the people in the offices it's the people at the top that are getting all the it's the shareholders that are making the money on this and, and course, the trickle down don't fucking work it's uh, stop it, saying it does it does not it's these, you know, and the politicians get so much money from these agencies. And that was the sad irony about Obamacare. I mean, uh, pharmaceutical companies were thrilled. Yeah. Absolutely thrilled with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and a listener actually sent me an email and, you know, and made actually a very good uh, point is that, you know, all of the people that put through the ACA got money from the healthcare industry because yep. it did benefit the healthcare industry more. Uh, mm-hmm. They need to replace it with something else, but they need to replace it in a way that does not hurt Americans, but hurt shareholders because you know what? They can take the fucking hit. They can take the hit, that's for sure, and it's one of those situations where supply and demand is, uh, it gets really muddled because we're dealing with people's health, and we're dealing with our, our, our parents and our brothers and our sisters and children, uh, you know, when their health is put into a capitalist system, obviously it's monetized, and uh, and you do lose a bit of the human factor, so... Uh, long story short, Republicans, they better find something to replace it with that is rational and reasonable. Rand Paul gave a great speech on the Senate floor talking about how they, their be- the budget they're trying to pass will add $17 trillion. Um, I mean, it's just madness. They're they're not being fiscally conservative whatsoever. Not that Donald Trump ever promised that he would be. Uh, and of course, I mean, hell, speaking of fiscal conservatism, there is a wall. It will be built, but it will be paid for by us. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Are we go. going to talk about how Trump said that uh, Mexico would pay? Us back. They're going to pay us back. They're going to pay we us back. We have to take him at his word because there's do? no way he's going to lie about that. Are we going to mail them an IOU? I guess so. <laughs> It'll be just like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> now, that's as good as money. That's as good that's, as cash. That's an IOU. That's, that's as good as money. Ooh, what was this for? It's for the Lamborghini. You want to keep that? Yeah, you you want to wanna hold that. on to that. Yeah, just hold on to that one. <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot of interesting things that we're going to follow up on here. And yeah. uh, now, yeah. fuck the bridges, fuck the roads. Let's build a goddamn wall. What's a wall but a bridge standing up? <laughs> you know. Hopefully, fuck they can get some infrastructure work done going on. I, I mean, I'm happy to see a lot of these companies, the brick and mortar companies. You know, they do seem to be um, willing to to deal with Trump, and I think that's wonderful. And if he can continue that kind of process going and continue that goodwill and not totally alienate Silicon Valley, uh, because obviously those are massive companies that are going to help us globally, especially in this uh, in this um, you know technological age, Silicon Valley is going to be one of our best lines of defense. Mm. Uh, you know, and as the as the uh, as we keep on 
towing towards the future here, so we want to make sure that they're uh, that they're happy as well. But I had no problems with some of the things that's happening when it comes to him uh, braggadociously claiming to save all the uh, brick and mortar jobs uh, here in the, in the in the country. I think it's sending a it's it's giving people some encouragement. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I don't want Donald Trump to fail. I don't want him to take America into a dark age. I want him to succeed. I want I never well, want the president to fail. I never want the country to fail. It's not like we all need to learn a lesson or something like that. Uh, I just want it to be reasonable. I'm skeptical. Oh, you got to be skeptical. I'm extremely skeptical at this moment. But I keep getting emails from people saying, give him a chance. He'll be all right. Trying to justify all the shit that he's done and said. Uh, And you can't do it. He is coming into this with zero goodwill because he garnered zero goodwill. He built a campaign on divisiveness. uh, And that is how he is starting his presidency. We we did not project this upon him. He cultivated it. He garnered it. So he's going to have to work his ass off to win that. And, I, and, you know, you bring up a good point. He is a man obsessed with numbers. He is obsessed with winning. And one of the positive things with the attitudes like that, he does want to see those poll numbers high. Yeah. And I firmly believe that to be true. And uh, if it starts to really slide or the uh, the negative side effect would be extremely livid with his poll numbers being too low. And, uh, you know, then, of course, we have a situation that no country would ever want when their leader is takes out their aggression on the people themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, at least I am. I understand people who are not, and I understand people who are extremely hurt and, uh, and offended by the very uh, presence of him in the White House. I, I totally understand it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to keep on following everything uh, pol- political here on Abelian's Top Hat. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we got some products coming up here really soon, and please go to iTunes and rate and review us. We're doing wonderful on news and politics. Yeah. We're doing great, and uh, we're going to keep on getting some good guests in here and talking. Uh, we got some products. We got some products that coming. That sounds terrible. What do you mean? <laughs> That's not, nice. It's like we got some things to put in your bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't you didn't get the the email? We're working on brushes. <laughs> you didn't get products. that? Products. Hey everybody. It's what? Ben and Marcus here with products. Well, you don't like products? <laughs> You're in QVC? We got, we got t-shirts coming. That's a product. <laughs> And shoes. <laughs> I'm making shoelaces. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please go to iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, that would do, uh, you know, that would do us wonders. And um, let's see here. Find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. Instagram is also Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. Instagram at Ben Kissel one. Um, is there anything else? I think that's it, man. I think that's pretty much it. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.